You're listening to The Basics of Church Membership, a Sunday school series taught by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Welcome. This is our last Sunday school class on church membership and what that means. Uh, and I think we hit the long weekend, which we're missing some folks which is good that they can get away, but we're glad that you're here this morning. So let's have a word of prayer, and we're going to get right into it this morning. Again, this is your opportunity. This is the last time we're meeting on this topic, but if you have a question, um, to ask the question, okay? And hopefully we've answered a number of those already, but feel free to ask anything you like. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll begin. Father, thank you so much for your kindness. Thank you for your grace this morning. And Lord, we need you. I pray that you give us clarity of thought and mind as we work our way through uh, the Word of God and what it means to be part of the, the local New Testament church. I thank you for the folks who have come and committed to these last four weeks. I pray that we'd be able to answer their questions, if they would search the Scriptures, and Lord, that if it's your will and they're willing, that they would be part of this place. We thank you for that. We ask you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, at this point, we're, we're going to wrap it up today. So from the beginning till now... Um, you should have learned a couple things that the local church is for. Um, the local church is to teach truth. That's what we're here for. And the truth comes from the Word of God. The local church is also to confront sin. We, as believers, still struggle with sin, and we're to be accountable one with another. The local church should accept you as a family. We'll talk more about that today, but that's the idea, that we come together, no matter where we're from or our background, but that we're a family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. The local church should hold you accountable. Um, again, we're not meant to do life alone. We need accountability. Without accountability, we all are tempted to stray. The local church should aid you in sanctification, which is the process of holiness. We'll talk about that actually in the service today. Um, but we're supposed to encourage one another to be a holy people. The local church should keep you God-focused. There are lots of things to draw our attention today. There's lots of distractions um, but we should be God-focused. The local church is to provide gospel fellowship, that we come together and we share the gospel of Christ, and it encourages us and motivates us, and the local church should help us um, profess our faith. We come together, we profess our faith in song, in scripture, in the word, and opportunities that we have like that. So this morning, as we close off, I'm going to really um, narrow it down to what it means to be a member of Maple City Baptist Church, okay? And again, we understand this morning that there are different denominations, and I don't want you to think as we work our way through this that we're bashing other denominations, that we have a corner on the truth, that no one gets it right. Other denominations are worldly. That's not the case. Um, there are, among believers, uh, issues that are important that we can differ on and still love one another, all right? Um, we live in a world that is so divisive that if you have a different opinion, then you're tagged or labeled as whatever, right? And we don't have to do that. We can have important things that we disagree on and still respect one another. And, and that's our prayer this morning and, and always it should be. I, I don't know if many of you are readers and you like reading, but one of my favorite books is Last of the Mohicans by James Finnemore Cooper. Um, it's a great read. Cooper is a great writer. But there's a scene in that book where Hawkeye and Uncas and Shim Gang Chuk, um, they're meeting together. Uh, yeah, my Mohican's really bad. Um, but the, what is it? 
Yeah, that's it. So uh, they're meeting together, and they're trying to devise the next step on like a rescue plan. And all three of them disagree. All three of them. And as they disagree, each man lets the other speak freely, listens intently, and then waits, and then gives his opinion. And Finnemore Cooper, writing about this scene, says, Oh, that Christian men would resolve their differences like this. And that's the truth of the matter. And so this morning, there are some things that we need to agree on if we're going to do life together. We can have believers that we love, respect, and cherish, and we love them, and they love us, but we're not doing life together in the confines of the local church. And so this morning, I want to give you the reasons why we are a Baptist church. And again, I'm not slamming uh, any other church at all, but you're sitting in a Baptist church right now. If you did not know, if you took a wrong turn, you're here. And we want you to know why it is that we do what we do. Why is it that we're not Catholic? Why is it that we're not Christian Reformed? Why is it that we're not Presbyterian or Anglican? And these are the reasons. There are, there are four issues um, that are Baptistic in nature, and this is what we believe. Um, I'm going to get into those in a minute. The first two I'm going to combine together. But if I were guessing this morning, two reasons that you might be here. If I'm wrong, you can correct me. But the one is this. If you've come here new, and you've been here for any length of time, I think you would sense um, real community. That when people come here, this is a place that we really work hard on loving God and loving one another and having real community. That, that people come here and they feel loved and accepted and welcomed. And, I, and, I, and if that's not your, if that's not been your experience, I'm sorry. Um, we, I, in 21 years, 21 years, I had one young lady who came in and said that our church was not welcoming at all and we were terrible people. One woman in 21 years, but she was crazy. And so, um, I, so she was. Um, and so if that's not been your experience, I, I want to talk to you because I think um, for me, if there's a church that I want to go to, it's this church because of a sense of family and love and acceptance and community, which is a wonderful thing. Okay, But the second reason that I would guess is because of the importance of the Word of God. The Word of God. We have nothing to offer but the Word. And it doesn't matter who's behind the pulpit, you're going to hear the Word of God preached. And so I think those are the things that would draw people to this place. Now let me say this about the Word of God. That very thing that that draws you here is what we're saying um, navigates us through our denomination, and why we've come to the place we've come. And so I'm going to say some things this morning that I already know are going to rub some people the wrong way. I'm just telling you up front, okay? And I don't mean to do that. I really don't. Um, But what I encourage you to do, if something's said that you don't understand, ask the question. And then I would encourage you to do this. Look to the Word of God. We, We all must do this. As a church, we've had to do this. We've had to say, wait a minute, why do we do what we do? Is it just traditions that we have? Are we comfortable here? Or are they good traditions that we should follow, but but does it line up with Scripture? And I have to tell you, in 21 years, we have made real changes. We've tried to um, reform ourselves closer to the Word of God. And so if, if, as we speak, something hits you the wrong way, and it's not the way you've always done it, or not your understanding, or our church does this, 
That's great. But I would just ask you then to either have conversations with us or search the scripture to see what the Bible says and then weigh what we do and what we practice by the word of God. Okay? So, here are the first two distinctives that make us a Baptist church. These are things that we look at from Scripture and say, yes, this is what Scripture says, and this is what we will practice. And you're, you're going to find, as we go through this, that the three things I mentioned this morning, there's four, but two I'm going to combine. The four things I mentioned this morning um, will show a real distinction between our church, the, a Baptist denomination, and other denominations. Here's the first two I'm going to combine. Um, an insistence on believers' baptism and the acceptance of immersion as the biblical mandate. Let me say it again. We are Baptistic in our thinking. And again, I say this, and I want to reiterate this. Um, I have dear friends in ministry that I love and respect and appreciate. Uh, Presbyterian brother, Reformed brother, um, charismatic brother. I have family members who are not Baptistic in their nature. Um, I have siblings who are very charismatic. Um, And so... I love them, but this is what makes us different. Um, an insistence of biblical or believer's baptism and the acceptance of immersion as a biblical mandate. So, in, in layman terms, we're Baptistic because we believe the Bible teaches believer's baptism and that baptism is by immersion. Okay, not sprinkling, not dipping, um, but by immersion. So let me begin with a story that might help many of the folks here. When we first came here, and none of this was here, it was a long, dark, dismal hallway that people loved this place and came and, and invested in, we, we started going door-to-door to, to meet and greet people. And we used to have, we actually every month would have dinners together as a church family in the foyer. That's how big the church was. We'd put three or four tables and have dinner together. It was a wonderful thing. And the church started to grow. And we got this dear, lovely um, Dutch family um, who at the time were in their 60s. I won't give their names because they're still here. Okay? Um, and they were coming, loving church, loving what we were doing, loving the word. And they'd sit right in the back here. There were pews back here. And we used to do communion every uh, once a month on Sunday nights. And they would sit and they would hear what we say. We invite all those who've been saved by the blood of Christ and since the time of their conversion been baptized to join us around the Lord's table. And they were the sweetest people in the world, honestly. I don't know of two more godly people than the couple I'm thinking about. And on one Sunday night, they came to me and they said, hey, we have a real problem. I was like, okay, what's the problem? And they said, we sit here and we are, we are Christian Reformed. And so we believe one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I promised my mother as a child, when I was, I was baptized as a child, that one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We, we're not going to do that again. We've done that. And a matter of fact, the place that they were living warned them, because it was a, it was a huge Dutch community, that if you go to that Baptist church, they're going to try to dunk you. <laughs> right? And all their friends said, don't do it. Whatever. Just don't do it. Well, they came, and, and, that was, and I said to this dear couple, which I, I, I did love them, and I do love them. I said, if I could change this for anyone, if I could, I'd change it for you too. Honestly, selfless, giving, godly people. And I said, but, but I understand your concerns. So, so I'm going to come by this week on Thursday. At the time, it was, it was Bob Wood and I. 
We made visits. I said, before I come, though, I'm just going to give you Bible verses. Just look at the Bible verses. And so I I gave them several Bible verses um, about believer's baptism. So on Thursday night, we, before we got there, I said, Bob, this could go really south. Like, this is, like, really south. This could be, because I love these people. I care for those people. I don't want to offend them in any way. So we prayed. We knocked on the door. And I'm not kidding you. We knocked on the door, and the woman answered the door and said, we're going to be baptized on Sunday. <laughs> said, Wait a Whoa, slow down. Um, and sure enough, they did. Now listen, that may be your struggle this morning. And, and, and you may not come to the same conclusions. But that's what was going on in their lives. Um, they understood the Bible's stance on believer's baptism and the mandate by immersion. And so last week, a, a, a wonderful sweet lady came up to me afterwards and said, hey, I got a question, didn't want to ask it in the service. And I appreciate that. A number of people have done that because they say, ah, this is a topic for me or I don't want to go on a, a, you know, a rabbit trail. And she said, here's my question, and this is a great question, and I have a hunch this morning that she's not the only one dealing with this. She said, when I um, was an infant or young, I was baptized. And and I get that. When when I was a child in Cleveland, my parents, when they were still together, um, they weren't religious at all. But we had a Methodist church, which is like the Anglican church in the States, a Methodist church on the corner, and they have Sunday school, and we went there. And some Sunday they were there, and someone said, your kids should be baptized. And so by this time, I was the oldest at about five. My brother was two. So they grabbed my brother, took him up there. They just pulled me along as an afterthought, right? And I stood there, and I was sprinkled. Okay, that's what happened. So I, I get that. And so she said, so I, I was baptized as an infant, but then... At the age of 13 or, or 15 or 18, there's a confirmation of my faith. That, that I understood this is my faith, this is my Savior, this is my Lord, and I'm I truly converted. Truly converted. And then here was the question. Baptized as an infant, truly converted as teenager or young adult, is it right then to be baptized again just to join and be part of a church? That's a fair question. It's a good question. And I would say this, and and again, just listen to what I'm about to say, that we we believe in believer's baptism. So it's not right just to join a church, to be baptized just to join a church. That's not the right thing to do. I would not recommend it to anyone. But what I would recommend is, Believer's baptism. Because what you have to ask yourself is, what took place as an infant for me? Can I tell you what took place as an infant for me? I had no idea. There there, there was no choice. My parents dragged me up there at five. I I had no choice. Um, And as you follow the word of God over and over again, and I, again, I'm not trying to be unkind. Tradition doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What does the Bible say? And, and this is what we, we learn from the Bible. And you will not find a spot in the Bible that says, first be baptized, then make a confession of faith. The pattern over and over again is they were saved, baptized, and added to the church. So I, I hope that makes sense to you. And again, th- this is why we're Baptists, because as we look at the Word of God, This is what we see. 
okay? Any questions on that? Because it's, it's hard. And, and I, I, I understand because there's family issues, there's close relationships. Um, I often think if, if my kids did something other than what I'm doing now, it'd be devastating to me because I believe I'm doing the right thing by the word of God, right? And so I get all of those connections. But, but the bottom line is this. We're going to stand before God for ourselves. We're going to give an account for ourselves. And it's not going to be good enough to say, well, my pastor said, or my parents said, or my church said. We have the word of God. And I would just encourage you, pick it up and search it for yourself. And, and again, don't just take verses that may infer something. I talked to a guy last year, and um, the same issue, same background, and I said, bring your verses, we'll talk about them, and we'll just walk through Scripture. And, and his main verse that he was, he was banking everything on was this, where Jesus in the Gospel says, Suffer the little children and allow them to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. It's a beautiful verse. It shows the heart of Christ for children. He loves them. He gathers them up. He puts them on his lap. He prays over them. It has nothing to do with baptism. Nothing. I don't even know if there's water mentioned in the chapter. There's nothing there. And so I I hope you understand. Again, I'm not trying to be confrontational or arrogant. I'm just saying this is the reason why we practice what we practice. Okay, any questions or comments on that? Uh, I don't know if you answered it already, but I was saved at 36 years old, mm-hmm. and then I was baptized. Mm-hmm. Do I have to be baptized in another church? Do I have to be baptized here? Again? Were you baptized by immersion? You were. Yes. No, no, and we don't do that. We we don't say to people, okay, you were baptized in another church, and they're not like us. And no, we don't do that unless the church you're baptized in is the Mormon church or something like that, because it's a different Jesus and a different gospel, uh, right? Oh, praise the, praise the Lord, sis. you got all the right ones there. All right? And so we don't do that. Some churches do. They make you get baptized in their church because it's their church. We don't, we don't believe that. That's not what we believe. We believe that believer's baptism is a decision we make after we come to Christ at 36 years old or so. All right? Yes, Daniel. Yeah, I found it really difficult, like, in, in those certain circles... When you, when you baptize a child as part of the Abrahamic covenant, and then the sprinkling, because they used to sprinkle things from the temple, mm-hmm. you know, and then, um, so, so they're sprinkled and brought into the Abrahamic co- covenant to signify that they're set apart mm-hmm. because they're the children of believers. Mm-hmm. And then once they come to a certain age, then it's kind of like almost demanded that they have some kind of confirmation. So everybody's kind of waiting for this confirmation mm-hmm. and a pressure for that confirmation. And then the confirmation happens and it's kind of like, are they a Christian now? Or did they just reach a certain age? Mm-hmm. You know, are they a sinner? Right. Or do they see themselves as a sinner? But none of that is really brought forth. Right. It's kind of just like, yeah, we believe that we're part of this covenant. Mm-hmm. We've been sprinkled. We're, we're already set apart. And now we're just confirming that we want to take part in the church. Right. And so we had these different experiences. And some people, when they come to that confirmation, it is their decision. They, yeah. they truly believe that this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and I don't want to get into a conversation about um, the difference between the old and new covenant, but there's a difference. There's, there's, a, there's a big difference. 
Um, the church is not a national group of people made up of males. It, it's, it is universal. It is every walk of life. And it's no longer just a little nation called Israel. It's the world. And so, so that's right. So, so, and, and listen, um, one of the things that we've talked about that makes this important for Baptists anyways is believer's baptism is a way to at least gauge somehow that people are making a public profession of their faith and they're following and identifying with him. The fact is, we have people in our church who made false professions. Just as people who grow up in other denominations who make a, a, a confirmation that they just did it to do it, we have the same things. But we're doing our best to say, yeah, um, we're not sure, but when you, when you make a public profession, you're doing something. Right? You, you are saying that I am believing in Jesus Christ. So it, it goes both ways. Travis? So, so I grew up in the Mennonite Church. Mennonite Church, okay. And then when I was saved, when I was saved, I was baptized. Okay. And I don't, I don't ever like, minimize that. Okay, just to hear what he's saying, if you can't hear. Mennonite Church... Uh, grew up, truly got converted, and then was baptized by sprinkling in his church. Go ahead, brother. And it was like, I don't discount the baptism. Yeah. I believe it is as real as it possibly And then as searching the scriptures, seeing that, like, hey, this is the way Jesus did it. This is the way we've always seen it in scripture. Why would I not do that now? It's like, it didn't, it didn't minimize what was already done. Yeah. But it was just like a continued step. And it was not like a, there was no like, I don't know how to explain it, but it was, nothing hindered me from getting into the water. Right. Yes. Yes. So you didn't minimize what happened. You're sincere in that point, but then looking at scripture, you decided, and by the way, if you, if you don't know this, in the Mennonite community, uh, old colony, you go to hell if you're baptized again. So when you see Mennonites up in a tank, not all of them, but the ones that I've you make that decision, you're ba- right. Some folks, that's exactly right. You make a decision, you have turned your back, right? And I don't think that's, because Travis's church was more like ours. No, but that was, the, that was the conversations I had with my old leadership and with my parents about, like, because the, the verse, one faith, one... One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Um, and then you couldn't ever do it a second. Yes. Right? But I don't, I don't agree that that's what it means. Yes. So I'm not nothing. Right. Yes. I was following the Lord. Amen. Yes. And as my understanding increases, Yeah, I think that's a great point. Not minimizing, but this is this is I was saved before, but this is the way Jesus has done it. And by the way, there are there's an example, at least of this in Scripture, when people. Um, I, I think it may have been. It could have been. Um, Oh, I'm gonna, it was certainly related to Paul, not Ananias and Sapphira, um, Priscilla and Aquila, or maybe it was Peter. doesn't matter. They, they meet a group of, of, of disciples of John, and they ask them, um, hey, do you know Christ? Yes, we know Christ. Were you baptized? Yes, we were baptized under the, the baptism of John, which is pretty cool, right? John the Baptist. And they say, no, you better think this through. You need to be baptized um, in Jesus' name, right? You knew this, and you acted on what you knew, but now there's, a re- there's new revelation here from these folks saying, no, Jesus is buried, um, and we are buried in his life, this raised in his resurrection, and so they were baptized again. You, you find it, actually. Yeah. Is that, is that 
that's in Acts uh, 19. But Acts 19, is, thank you. Uh, but is that the difference between the Old Covenant, because Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet, and the New Covenant? Is that sort I think, of I think there is sort of a picture of that, because, because cause Jesus even makes a distinction from the Old Testament prophets to John. And John is voicing in, um, hey, it's not about me. There's one who's coming that is a Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world, right? The Old Covenant, that's done. It's finished. The temple's been destroyed, right? And Christ is the answer. So these are really good comments, and I, and I hope that helps people who are listening, because this is not easy for really anybody, anybody. Even making a public profession in front of people is not easy. But if we, if we get in our minds... And, and I hope this is, no matter if you stay here or not, I hope that your desire is, I just want to follow Jesus. Right? So, good. Any other questions? Yep. Um, Kyle, I'm sorry. from the Reformed Church that we were attending that baptism was the sign and the seal. Mm-hmm. That's how they rooted it. Mm-hmm. But in the Bible, mentions that baptism is the sign of the seal of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. The right. Holy Spirit is what changes people. Amen. That's that's the new covenant, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, right? That's exactly right. That's when we stopped baptizing our children, and then we became rebellious, and then they said, Your family will not be blessed, your children will yeah. be blessed by right. being in the covenant. Right. So uh, right. And so I don't know what, what pressure you get from people, but the fact is ultimately at, at the end of the day. You gotta look at the word of God and say, what does the Bible say? And then and then make a decision. And and I would just encourage you to do that. Okay? Really good comments. Thank you. I, and I hope that helps. And I, I hope you see um, we're you're at a Baptist church. This is what we believe, and this is why we believe it. Okay? Any other question before we move on? All right. Just want to see what time it is because. This always happens to me. I started a Sunday school class that was supposed to last for four weeks. It lasted for 15. All right? It's not, it's not the way this is supposed to work. So, okay. So, that, that's the first thing, the, the, or the first two. Here's the other one, that we believe in congregational government. In congregational government. And, and that means this, that as we look at the Bible, um, there is no evidence that any larger body than the local church made decisions for the congregation. The local assembly of believers made decisions. Matthew 18, about church discipline. The church goes to the brother or sister who's erring that will not repent and says, hey, as a church, we are making this decision. No one else, the local church. In Acts chapter 6, verse 3, the, um, the church picks out its own deacons. The church decides that. In Acts 13, 2 and 3, uh, the church commissions Paul and Barnabas to go out on mission. Um, It's always this local uh, autonomy that the church deals with itself. Most of the letters are directed to churches, not even the leaders. The the apostles, disciples, write to churches. um, The regulation of church membership done by the local church. No one comes in here and says, they don't belong here, you got to kick them out. No, the church regulates whose members are by uh, discipline um, and by acknowledging them. And then they chose their leaders in Acts chapter 6. So that's that. And then the third distinction, any questions on congregational? We're congregational, which means the congregation rules the church. And by the way, in any church, whether you believe it or not, the congregation rules the church. 
either by their feet or their finances. They either give money and stay or they leave. That, their feet. That's exactly, they leave. That's, that's, so you can mock congregational um, leadership, but the fact is that's, that's just practical. That's the way it is. And the Bible says um, it's congregational. So the congregation rules the church, the elders spiritually lead the church, and the deacons physically serve the church. That's, that's, that's what the Bible shows in the New Testament church. Okay? And then finally, we are, we are baptistic in our thinking because um, an insistence of believers' baptism, acceptance of immersion as uh, the Bible mandate, congregational church uh, government, and the Lord's Supper as memorial. We do not believe in transubstantial transubstantiation. To say trans, transmeditation, that's not where I'm going. Transubstantiation, which means, if you grew up Catholic, that, that as I pray, hocus pocus, that's where the words come from in Latin, not exaggerating, I pray over the bread and the cup, they mysteriously become the literal body and blood of Jesus. Right? We don't believe that. Nor do we believe in consubstantiation. And this is the Lutherans had this idea that it's with. So in a real way, Jesus is in those elements. We believe in a memorial. That Jesus gave this and said, think, as he's eating with his disciples, take, eat, this is my body. Right? He's literally sitting with them. He is not doing this. Feeding them with his flesh. Paul says, Jesus told him, do in remembrance of me. And so that's what we do. It is a memorial service. And that is different from other denominations. And so that's where we fall on that. Any questions on those things? Lots of stuff. I know you're doing really well. Any questions at all? Okay, let me just quickly talk to you about what it means to be a member of our church here. Um, Because we do believe that it's of the utmost importance to be connected, to be accountable to a local body. And the beauty of this is this, that we come from all walks of life with different backgrounds, um, different mannerisms, different dispositions, and we are sinful people that have all our own different ideas. But what the Church of Jesus Christ does is when I commit to a, a, a family, when I covenant with them, I say I'm going to do life together with this family. I'm coming under the leadership of this church, and, and we're going to be unified. Unity is a big deal here. We've gone through two years of a nightmare. There are churches that will never open again. And for some of them, good, right? They shouldn't. They they weren't preaching the gospel. But for others, it's devastating. Because there was so much disunity over everything. Um, You're going to find this place, we don't vote on how the toilet paper goes over the dispenser or under. We don't do those things. And you can laugh. Churches are split over carpet and seats. And screens. And it's crazy. And so when we do life together, we're saying we want to be unified in the body of Christ so that a world out there looks into the church and says, hey, there's something really different about those people. So let me just give you quickly six things um, and what that means. And I'll just talk about our our covenant. Um, To be a member of this place means you attend. You attend. Not sporadically. I'm not talking about going on vacation. You need vacation. We all need vacation. Not being away for a weekend. But you attend. One of the best ways to encourage your church family is to be here. 
to be here, to be present. A matter of fact, the problem with the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, um, the, the Christian um, Jews, is they were looking around at their assembly and people weren't showing up. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as a manner of some is, but exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And what he's saying is, listen, you're discouraging people because you say you're in Christ. The people of Christ are to meet together on a continual basis, weekly, and encourage one another. So being a member means that you attend. You attend. We expect our people to be here, just to attend, to show up. Okay, number two, um, we expect people to encourage one another. Kim and I joke all the time, and we say, we only have one gift between the two of us. It's encouragement. And, we, and forever we thought, this is the lamest gift ever. I can't sing, I can't dance, I can't play an instrument, I can't organize, I can't. But I have to tell you something. Encouragement is really powerful. And we all need it, and we all can do it to some extent. Paul writes to the Colossian church, I think it's, it's 4 8 or so, and he sends a fellow laborer to the church, and the only reason he sends them is to encourage them. So if you're part of this place, you need to encourage people. And I'm not talking about ridiculous flattery. Oh my, you look lovely today. And then you turn your back and it's like, can you believe what they're wearing? Like, that's not, no. But legitimate, trying to encourage people that you're glad to see them, to ask what's going on in their life to help them in their struggles with sin and temptation. Number three, um, we, we are a church that the members are to confront each other without indulging in gossip. We're all sinners, and you need to be establishing relationships with people that they know you, that you are known, and that we can, in good conscience, confront each other in love. I make this promise to everyone who's ever joined our church. I promise that I will hurt you. And I have not failed on that promise yet. I don't mean to do it. I don't try to do it. But, but I promise that something will happen. That I'll, believe it or not, I say stupid things all the time. Right, Kim? Uh-huh. Um, and, and so I, I don't mean to do that. But, but people will get hurt. And I've had people say to me, hey, pastor, what you said. And I had to be confronted. And to repent and say, you're right, I'm sorry. Um, I just had to do that not too long ago. I said something. I had to confront someone and say, I said this, and it was wrong. I should have never said it. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, I think it's verse 15. Speaking the truth in love with one another, that we may grow thereby. We grow as believers as we come in contact with one another in a sense of unity, loving on people, loving on one another, and confronting them with the truth. And not gossiping, um, not being haughty or self-righteous. You know when people really care about you, how they confront you. There are some folks, they confront you and they're glad they caught you. Right? Oh, I can't wait to... And others who are really concerned about you, almost in tears. And you understand that. Um... A member who prays. Um, Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray. Can I tell you what's changed this church over the years? Prayer. I mean prayer. We have, we have prayer meetings all the time. We have prayer meetings on Tuesday morning at 9.30. We have, no, Thursday morning at 9.30. We have prayer meetings at Thursday night. No, I'm sorry. I don't even know where our prayer meetings are now. What is it now? Tuesday night, 9.30. Okay, yeah, okay. 
I, believe, I even go to these. I can't even believe it. All right. So Tuesday night at 7 is online. Thursday at 9.30 is the prayer time. We've opened up our church to have prayer um, as groups over and over again. God's people need to pray. And if you're part of this church, you ought to be praying for leadership. Leaders are falling all over the place. Churches are falling apart. Satan's alive and well. Pray for leadership. Pray for one another. We have a list of needs in our church. Do you, did you, I'm not going to have you raise hands. Did you even pray for the service this morning? What's going to happen this morning in our midst? We want our members to pray because prayer is the answer. Prayer is power. And we understand that. Uh, then, uh, a member who serves. Okay. Listen, I, I want you to know something. We have ample um, areas that you can serve. And no one can do the job by themselves. The fact is, what happens in this church, I have no idea. I show up on Sunday. That's what I do, right? I'm here during the week, but this thing runs because people serve. They use their gift. They use their talent. They use their ability. This is not, it's not consumers. We're not consumers. God has given you a gift. You all, if you were saved, the Spirit of God gave you a gift that you can use in the body of Christ, and we expect our members to use them. And if not, you're robbing yourself and you're robbing someone else, right? So we, we serve. Find some place to serve. I preach, leadership preaches, so that you can do the work of the ministry. So that's the way it works. And then a member who shows patience. Again, we, we, will, we will sin against one another. But this is not a sprint, the Christian life. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. And the older I get, I have to tell you, I'm so, I'm really pleased. God has given us over the last year and a half, two years, and even recently, good and godly people that I'm so excited to see their lives, their desire for Jesus Christ. And that excites me, that that God is bringing new people. I want lost people to come now, right? And unchurched people to come now and reach them. But I'm excited with what God has given us. But can I tell you what really excites me? 21 years of being here, and those people are still here. And they're still serving. And they're still faithful. And they've practiced patience with this church. Listen, we had people here, 23 people. And I remember us growing. And this first wave of people that came in back in like 2015 or 16. Like, I mean, like, it didn't double our church, but it was like huge. And it was, um, it was yucky, yeah. And so it was, it was huge. And um, we had to sit our folks down and just say, hey, listen, and they were so accommodating. They welcomed people. They weren't threatened by it. And then this last wave of people, I don't even know how many people came last time. Um, but the long haul, that, that they have known me for 21 years, and they stayed. They stayed, right? That's an amazing thing. And we have been for 20 years, and I've known them, and I've not left. Because <laughs> this is it. This is it. Price is patience. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up with just this. Our church covenant, thank you for staying. I, I, I'm sorry that this is the way it goes for me. I, I have these classes and they, I just start rambling. Um, we expect our church family to, be, to, to, to covenant with us. It's not a contract, right? You do this and I'll do this. A covenant says, I will. I will. And so we annually now make a covenant. The, the elders, a covenant with the congregation. The congregation with the elders and one another. And it's just simply, um, I'll just, this is a doctrinal statement. This is not what I want. Um, 
Oh, I picked up the wrong thing. I, I have a doctrinal statement. Okay, the covenant just says, basically, that the elders will covenant with our people to preach the word, to spiritually lead them, to practice discipline where needed, um, to help you with your gifting, to serve our community, our, our local church. That's what we, we covenant with. And then for the congregation, their list is huge, right? We only have four things. But, but basically, here's what the, the, the congregation covenants with us. To be a good Christian, honestly, if I, you could see it, to read it just means to practice your faith, to be connected to this place, to serve here, to live here, to, not to physically live here, um, but to do life here, to give, um, and to be part of this place. And we use that to remind all of us what this is all about. This is not, we're not consumers. We're believers who are going to do life together. And that's what it means to be, to be, a, to be a covenant member of this church that you're agreeing, to the best of my ability, I'm coming under the leadership of this church and following them as they follow Christ, and I'm going to love them and love one another and seek to please Jesus. That's what this is all about. And so if you have questions about that and you think, yeah, we've been coming, we get the vibe, we know what it's about, and you want to have a conversation, then, then have a conversation with the leadership. We can make an appointment and sit down and say, this is who we are, this is what we expect, and you can understand where we're going. And we would love to have our people who have been visiting and coming now for a long time to be part of this place. Um, if you're serious, quit dating us and marry us, right? That's what, um, dating's fine, but these long engagements are ridiculous, all right? All right, so, and, and maybe, this, maybe after today and this three weeks, it's like, ah, I'm not sure this is for us, and that's okay. They're good, godly people who decide this isn't for them. And we love them, and, and, and it saddens me, of course, but I, I get it. Um, and so you have to make those decisions. Any other comments or questions before we close this out? Anything at all? All right. Well, thank you for coming. Let me, let me close in prayer, and then we we'll get ready for the service, all right? Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for these good people. I thank you for the questions that were asked and the comments that were made. Lord, it really did add to what we're trying to convey today. Lord, help us to have... Um... Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about what you've just heard or are interested in the ministry of Maple City, please visit our website at maplecitybaptistchurch.com.